You're listening to a City on a Hill podcast. We'd love you to use and share this podcast, but please refrain from editing the content without permission from City on a Hill. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au. Afterward, he went to a town called Naim, and his disciples and a great crowd went with him. As he drew near to the gate of the town, behold, a man who had died was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a considerable crowd from the town was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her, and he said to her, Do not weep. Then he came up and touched the bear. And the bearers stood still, and he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak, and Jesus gave him to his mother. Fear seized them all, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has arisen among us, and God has visited his people. And this report about him spread through the whole of Judea and all the surrounding country. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning, church. How are you going? My name is Zach, as Mike said, and it's my honour and privilege to serve here as a student minister at City on Hill, Brisbane. I'm married to Hannah. We have two mostly wonderful children, um, and, yeah, we love them. Uh, This morning, I get the privilege of preaching from this text, Luke 7, 11 to 17, and it's a great opportunity to continue to see uh, the encounter um, that Jesus has throughout the Gospel of Luke. Uh, Who's been encouraged by the first three weeks already? Yeah, good. Hopefully this morning is encouraging as well. You can send your honest emails to mike at cityonhill.com. Well, if you've got your Bible on your turn with me to uh, chapter 7, hopefully you've got that out. Before we get kicked off, let's pray together and rebuke this hum. Our Father in heaven, thank you for your word. Thank you for speaking to us today. Help me to explain your word truthfully and help us all to understand it and see Christ more clearly through it. May we never cease to be in awe of Jesus, our Lord and Saviour. Amen. Well, you might remember the mind freak magician, Chris Angel. Uh, Apparently, he's still going. Um, He's got some new content happening in Las Vegas soon. So uh, anytime you're allowed to travel, maybe maybe book that in. Uh, But he's a a pretty incredible magician, does some pretty phenomenal feats, including at one time he uh, made a hundred people disappear at once. Uh, which is pretty incredible. Um, he did something called the Enigma Teleportation Trick, where he was on the stage, pulled a curtain over himself, and like within a split second, he's right up the back of the auditorium somehow. Um, and then he also did this thing where he levitated above the Luxor Hotel and Casino in Las Vegas, where he yeah, seemed to literally fly. Um, and then a couple of his tricks also seem to be quite Christ miracle inspired. Um, at one time, he seemingly walked on water, but his most controversial trick 
was when he attempted to raise a dead man to life. Uh, One reality TV critic said about this particular trick, what actually happened wasn't anything more than something that could be cleverly faked. A rising chest, a pulse felt, however, through a glove provided by Chris Angel and liquid coming out of the corpse's mouth. The dead man did not sit up and start talking which is interesting that that's sort of the metric that this guy was measuring the quality of the trick by, given some of the points in our text this morning. But the reality is, no matter how hard uh, he tries, Chris Angel is nothing like Jesus Christ. Jesus is not, in the words of Gandalf the Grey, some conjurer of cheap tricks. What Jesus does is real, The words that Jesus says are real and they're powerful. The works that we see throughout the gospel accounts of Jesus, they are real and they have transformed lives. And the story that we encounter today is a great example of that, of Jesus encountering a grieving woman. He's encountering a dead man and he encounters this group of mourners and he transforms the whole scenario and makes all things new. Today's sermon is really only a two-point sermon. Um, As hard as I tried to make it more than two points, um, the text wouldn't allow me. Um, I've snuck one in there, so I'll I'll let you see that soon. But it's really a two-point sermon. This morning, we're going to encounter the compassion of Christ, and we'll encounter the authority of Christ. But firstly, it's worth starting by considering who Jesus is. If we put our um, minds into her, this grieving widow. She's walking out of this town and yeah, she's in grief. She's um, just thinking about the, the sorrow and what's going on inside her own heart. And um, then this man with a, a bit of a group behind him seems to walk towards her. And she might have known a little bit of like who this was. There were some stories going around. But who is this guy who just walks up, tells her, do not weep, um, and then performs this miracle? I think it's crucial for you and I to know who Jesus is first before we look at these other points. So we see Christ the creator. Luke's report um, here, uh, sorry, Luke reports the crowd's reaction after this event uh, where they exclaim, a great prophet has arisen amongst us. Now, great prophet is an accurate statement and description of Jesus, but it's also inadequate. It doesn't fully capture all who Jesus is unless we add um, description points like he is the Lord, he is King, he's the Son of God, he's the Messiah, he's the Christ. In fact, Luke intentionally calls Jesus Lord in verse 13 using uh, the uppercase L for Lord, which is the Greek word kurios, which means ruler, king. And then in John, when, he, um, when John is opening his gospel account, he says in uh, chapter 1, verse 1 to 3, that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. A little bit later in that text, John identifies Jesus as that word. Jesus was with God. Jesus was God. Jesus is 
God and all things were made through him and without him was not anything made. Then a bit later on uh, in Colossians, the Apostle Paul um, says this really famous line. He says, for by him, Jesus, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. This is Jesus. This is who is encountering this grieving woman today. It's interesting that Genesis chapter 1 and 2 paint this picture of you know, God's creation is good. God calls it very good. So uh, God's creation through Christ by the power of the Spirit was good. It was perfect then we come to Genesis chapter 3 and we see, this, we see sin enter and corrupt the whole thing. We see the fall take place. We see the rebellion of mankind spread like a disease throughout all um, later generations, even to you and I today, and also into all of creation. And it disrupts and destroys all things. What we need to understand today when we see Jesus the King, the Creator, encounter this grieving widow is the reason that this widow is in grief is because of what sin has caused in the world. Sin has caused sickness, sin has caused separation, sin has caused death and therefore great sorrow and pain and hardship that even you and I still feel today. When we see the widow's grief, we need to recognise that sin is to blame. Sin is what has caused that grief. So far we've considered that Jesus is the creator, that he is God in flesh, And we see this contrast between the great grief that this widow is in, caused by great sin and sorrow and rebellion in the world, and we see this coming together, this uh, encounter between Christ the King and this sorrowful woman. We see Christ the Comforter. Let's read seven chapter, sorry, Luke 7. I'm going to read from verse 11 to 13. It says, Soon afterward... He went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a great crowd went with him. As he drew near to the gate of the town, behold, a man who had died was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a considerable crowd from the town was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, Do not weep. So Jesus comes across uh, this scene of mourning and sadness and we encounter the compassion of Jesus. Jesus from a distance sees this funeral procession coming out of the town, sees uh, the sad frame of this widow at the front, not surrounded immediately by any other family members and you can just imagine in Jesus' mind, he knows exactly what's going on. He sees this funeral procession coming out. Um, The scholars that I've been reading talk about how um, 
they would have been professional mourners. So you could imagine if it was just this widow who was trying to bury her own son and she was in grief and agony and she was trying to cry um, and, and wail over this great loss, it would be quite embarrassing for her to do that by by herself, and so there are professional mourners there, people who come to funerals all the time, and effectively they just mourn loudly to create an environment where um, these people can mourn privately. Um, it's a little bit like, but like in a super positive way here, when we have the music really loud so that your bad singing doesn't embarrass you or anybody else around you. It's providing an environment where you're able to um, express yourself. And that's the same situation that's happening with this funeral procession. And so Jesus sees this widow and Jesus feels her pain. In fact, the words there uh, where it says that Jesus had compassion, the words used behind that word compassion is like a a gut-wrenching sorrow. Like I'm sure all of us have been in times of uh, pain or hardship or grief and you You don't just cry a little bit from your eyes. You don't just understand intellectually that something's going wrong, but you feel it in your body, like it makes your stomach sick. That's the kind of reaction that um, Jesus is having, seeing this woman come out. And Luke tells us that Jesus, the Lord, the ruler, the king, the creator, he had compassion on this woman. Jesus knows that she is hurting in a number of ways. She's lost her only son. Now, a lot of this is lost on us in our modern day when we've got things like um, Centrelink and Medicare and uh, even great churches like this, where if even if we are alone as a family member, uh, we can often come and have a greater faith community that come around us. Um, and we... we often have friends and family that can help us financially if we're, if we're stuck. But back in these times, and especially back in Old Testament times, a woman becoming a widow and having no male protector or provider was an incredibly dire situation. So this woman, already a widow, already having lost her husband, now loses her only son, the one who was already protecting her, providing for her, was um, the man of the house, was also the extension of her family line, and she had now lost that as well. You can understand that, effectively, this woman had lost everything. She had lost absolutely everything, not just a family member, as bad as just that would be on its own. She's also now lost all the opportunities and all the protection and all the provision um, means that she would normally have. There is deep sorrow, deep grief. And so it's beautiful that Jesus sees her and his heart goes out to her. His, His guts literally go out to her. He has compassion on her. And church, the good news this morning is that Christ has compassion on you and I. As I said at the start, we are in this sorrowful world because of our sin. Our sin has broken what God made perfect. And so each and every day now, you and I face trials, we face hardships, Uh, We're surrounded quite often by people who are losing loved ones. Maybe we've lost loved ones. 
There are people around us right now who have even lost their own children. People who have felt just extreme pangs of grief. People who have found out that they've been diagnosed with certain illnesses. People who have found out that they've been um, you know, told that their entire uh, means of provision has been stripped away. Uh, things like this pandemic just destroying businesses right around Australia and the world. There are um, so many uh, signs of the destruction and sorrow and grief that sin wreaks upon this earth. But the good news is that as Jesus sees this widow, church, Jesus sees you. He sees the grief that you're going through right now because you lost those loved ones. He sees the grief you're going through right now because you're not sure what's coming next. He sees the grief you're going through because you're wrestling with your sin and you're unable to, for some reason, clamor out of the mire and the muck of your own sin. He sees you, church. He loves you and he has compassion towards you. Knowing that Christ sees us and is near to us, it brings great hope. It's interesting that Jesus sees this woman, walks up to her and tells her, weep not. Like, probably don't try that one yourself. If you see somebody who's going through great pain, if they're crying, if they're in, in grief and in sorrow, probably the best approach is not to walk up and say to them, don't cry. Unless you're Jesus. The reason that Jesus can say that is because of what's coming next. Something else was coming. Something greater was coming. Jesus does not give empty words. Jesus does not walk up and just say to people, do not weep, without there being some powerful meaning and ability to back that up with who he is. So we've considered that Christ is the creator. We've considered Christ's heart, that he has compassion on the lowly, on those who are in grief and sorrow. And we see that he is Christ, the conqueror. Let's read chapter 7, verse 14 to 15. Luke continues, he says, Then he came up and touched the bier, or coffin, and the bearers stood still. And he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak, and Jesus gave him to his mother. We encounter the authority of Jesus. The boy raises to life. He sits up, he talks. And it's simply by the word, the command of Jesus. No tricks, no magic, no empty Chris, Chris angel trickery. It's a real, genuine resurrection. This boy sits up and he begins to talk. He's so brought to life that he's able to converse. His intellect is running and he's able to think and talk and, and celebrate what has just happened. Jesus' works are real, church. Jesus' authority is real. Jesus' power is absolute. 
Now, in those days, when they're, when they're doing these funeral processions, um, it was like an open casket type thing, and so open, in fact, that it was usually a plank of wood across a bunch of poles that would be on the shoulders of some people who were carrying, and the corpse would lie on top of that plank of wood, uh, wrapped in a cloth, um, and usually covered in some sweet-smelling, nice-smelling oils um, to help deal with the smell of um, a corpse. And so it was quite a confronting scene. It's not like... Well, we're used to today where most of the time a closed casket and we don't even confront death with our eyes this was visible it was there Um, and then Jesus walks up and he actually puts his hand on the coffin he touches this now it's important to realize that in these days that would have made Jesus ceremonially unclean According to those laws, you are not to touch a corpse, not to touch the things touching a corpse because of hygiene, because of remaining clean. And so it's interesting that Jesus walks up and touches it. And we've seen Jesus do this before. Uh, Last week's sermon, when Mike was preaching about the leper, uh, we're told that Jesus walked up and he touched the leper. Again, such an incredible thing. Jesus should not, according to those laws, have touched the leper. He should have kept his distance. Um, and not being anywhere near him. But this goes to show the authority of who Jesus is. It shows his power that Jesus walks into these situations when he encounters uncleanness. It's not that uncleanness defiles Christ, but Christ cleans uncleanness. Christ makes these dead things, these sick things, these corrupt things, Jesus makes them new. The power of Christ is so powerful, it's so absolute that there is no transfer of defilement or uncleanness at all. But instead, there is a transfer of power and life for this boy. In the case of the leper, there's a transfer of power and healing, of restoration. Jesus makes unclean things clean. Church, this is good news for you and I today. As I've already made it clear, we live in this sin-drenched world where there is so much grief and sorrow and hardship. We are first met by the compassion of Jesus. We get to come to this point of realizing that, that Jesus sees you and I in our grief and in our sorrow. We are not alone in it. We are not isolated in it. But we are seen and we are loved. But Jesus can back it up. Jesus can come to each and every one of us and he can say to you and I, do not weep. Because the authority of Christ comes and he comes with power and he brings healing. He brings transformation. He takes us from death, to, sorry, <clears throat> from death to life. It's good news if you're here this morning for the first time. If you've been joining us maybe and uh, you've been considering the things of Jesus. Can I encourage you to really consider the authority and the the compassion of Jesus. If you're here today and you're 
you've been going through something that's just devastating. If you're here this morning and you're, you're wrestling with this idea of who am I and, and I, I can't seem to stop doing these things I don't want to do, but I, I don't know what to do about it, can I encourage you, come to this compassionate Christ. If you're here this morning and you're, and you're feeling these, these pains, these pangs, can I encourage you that Christ sees you today? That Christ loves you. He has compassion for you. But he also has the authority to turn your life around. Now, we need to be careful here because Luke is not trying to show us what we should all expect about our dying loved ones. This is not a picture of if one of our loved ones dies, then all we need to do is this and Christ will raise them to life here and now. But it's an incredible picture of what is to come for each and every one of us because of what Christ did. Christ has the authority over death because of what he did on our behalf. Jesus came to earth, he humbled himself and he came to earth as a man. He lived a perfect life according to the law and then he died on the cross sacrificially on our behalf. The death that you and I should have paid, he paid for us. And then he raised to life three days later, triumphant over death, triumphant over the power of sin. And that is why Christ has the authority to walk up and touch an open coffin that should have, according to the law, made him unclean. But instead, he brings life to this boy and resurrects him. Church, that's what God does through Christ for each and every one of us when we come before Jesus. We repent of our sin and we place our trust in him. He brings us from death to life, from darkness to light. And he does this even when we were still sinners. Whilst we were still rebelling against a good and holy God, Jesus comes with compassion in triumph and victory, and power, and he raises us from spiritual death. The story shows us that Christ is the conqueror. Christ is the ruler. Christ is the Lord. Not death. Not sickness. Not sin. But Jesus is the Lord. I'm sure many of you are aware that the fourth Matrix instalment is coming out soon. Um, if you're not aware, welcome. Um, it's coming out soon. And I've been re-watching the Matrix series and I was struck by the end of the first movie when Neo um, finally sort of becomes the one um, and he has this last fight scene with the agents. And, you know, the previous fight scene, he's struggling. Like, he... he can't get enough hits in, he's getting smashed by the agent. But then all of a sudden, there's this thing happens, Neo knows who he is, and now he's fighting an agent one-armed. And it just, it, it jumped out at me. I was like, wow, like, cool in the movie that Neo knows just how powerful he is now and it's that easy for him to conquer his enemies. Well, church, how much easier and greater is it for Christ 
the Lord, the King, the creator of all things, to have all power and victory and triumph over our greatest enemy. Jesus isn't just fighting this enemy one-handed. He's not using any hands. He's just speaking to this thing and he destroys it in Jesus' name. It's, it's an incredible and cool picture for me anyway, just to know that Christ is the conqueror. Christ has the victory. Christ has the triumph. He has won. And in closing today, this story shows us why we have great hope. Even as those who are grieving, filled with sorrow due to loss, there is great hope in Christ. For those who trust in Jesus, those who trust in Jesus' sacrificial death on the cross, those who trust in his triumphant resurrection from the dead, we too have hope that we will rise again to everlasting life. As the band comes this morning, I want to read to us from 1 Corinthians 15, verse 50 to 57, an incredible, powerful text that helps us understand this picture so well, what it means for us in the end. Paul is saying to this church in Corinth, he says, I tell you this, brothers and sisters, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. For this perishable body, perishable body must put on the imperishable and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let's pray this morning. Lord Jesus, thank you that you saw this grieving widow. Thank you that you had compassion on her desperate state. Thank you for seeing our grieving. Thank you for seeing our struggling in a sin-broken world. That you see our loss, you see our pain. But we thank you that you have the authority to make all things new. Help us to trust you, Jesus. Help us to trust that you will raise us to victorious life, to trust that you are the King. Father, this morning we rest in your comfort and long for that day when there will be no more pain or fear, but only joy and nearness to you.
Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au.